0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martin, in Kales River alongside the chapelies of St. Mark and St. Monica. I am Lindsay Shooters, your host on this exploration of faith during this time of continued crisis. There is light at the end of the tunnel. As always, I am joined by the rector of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney White. How do I find you
1: today? Good day, Lindsay. I'm glad you ended off light at the end of the tunnel. Um, Two positive things coming out of that that I suppose makes one feel positive is light and end of uh, Mm. the tunnel, the dark dark space, uh, which I suppose is how we come to Christmas from Advent advent has lots of candles burning in it we burn a candle a day so does in uh, you know um have a sense of that in it today I was feeling quite quite um okay when I started out the day but it was quite challenging after the wedding because I just heard that the, the 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 families of the of the of the couple had given their money to and to a person who was going to do the reception and apparently they couldn't find this person after that oh good and so they oh. find other ways to do that and it just so heartbreaking uh, when when i heard that um, somebody who who shared it with me said that there was a report in the newspaper that apparently this particular person or company has been doing, has been caught out with this thing, taking people's money and never acting on the deal. So I just thought, you know, that just brought my spirit down and I had to, I had to, I had to grovel again in the mud to try and work it out, the anger feelings and all of that. You know, um, Given, given that I know how this couple, they really work, um, to make things work for them,
2: yeah,
1: uh, counting every cent and you know, ensuring that that which they have in their mind to do for themselves is is they are able to do so without, you know, wanting to make loans and stuff like that. And and people do this to to them, you know, and that human elements are still so lurking the darkness in the tunnel with each other, where we um, still have a way in which we do each other in. But coming to this place here and listening to some of the uh, pre-talk and also the opening talk, um, I'm confident my my spirit will rise again um, as we uh, grapple with these issues of faith and life um, now in the fourth Sunday of Advent. So uh, we, we trudge along in faith. In faith and in hope and in love. Which and enjoy.
0: I, just a little bit of 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 foreshadowing <laughs> for the conversation to come. Uh, the theme you have extracted for this fourth Sunday of Advent, in which you will be lighting the fourth candle, which is the love candle, as you have interpreted for this Advent season at Saint George's. Um, and why has this happened to me? That the mother of my Lord comes to me, and that is a phrase attributed to Elizabeth, obviously. The validity of the visit and the connection between Mary and Elizabeth is hotly debated amongst theologians all over. But w- what what about this speaks to your kind of interpretation of 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 the theme of
1: love for this fourth Sunday? I I I I think that the fact that these two people were so close to each other. And that they, my 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 understanding is that they, besides being family, were bonded to each other as sisters in life, you know, in life experience, and that being with one another is was not an abnormal thing for them. Um, and so, visits to each other's homes, sharing time with each other, uh, whatever other topics they spoke about. Well, they were basically with teenage girls, 14 years old. We don't know what the rhetoric between them would have been. Um, but they shared a close yeah. bond with each other. They shared each other's encounters. And they encountered things together. So, um I mean, and what 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 better for two pregnant women to come together and ex, and ex, experience uh, the joy of what pregnancy means to them and the feeling of the babies between them? Isn't that love? Um, you know, the, the sisters' bond um, when 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 the, the anxious husbands are wanting to smoke cigars and open champagne uh, to celebrate. <laughs> The sisters are talking about the experiences of the womb that they are feeling. They can't see it. The monitors that look at them, you know, in modern day time, the scans and stuff. But then you had ancient wisdom of what it means to yeah. be pregnant, what the baby would do. I think that would probably be far more uh, a celebration and a support between them. Um, you know, when, when when your wife feels the baby, the first thing she says, come in, feel here. And then I mean, you go and feel the child's decided not to make the <laughs> move. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but women know that. Mother's bearing children. Know that. <laughs> so I think they bond together. They bond beyond just being yeah. family and the common experiences that they will have in sharing and their own experiences as women. That's all centered along about love, the respect that they have for one another. Um, and I suppose the hint of their spirituality in this um, in this text of Luke.
0: Indeed. Um, it, it does fit into my definition of, of love as well, which is that bond that forms through the shared human experience. So it's like the infatuation is what, I don't want to use the term turns you on or like it opens your eyes to viewing the person in a a different kind of through a different lens. not as you would view a friend, but more like something different Um, and the sharing of your human experience that you grow, that love within you. And with, with, with that said, the collect for this week does speak directly into Kind of the different characterizations that you could have from about love. So please bring us together with a collective prayer and then we we can talk a little bit more about that.
1: My sisters and brothers, good afternoon, good morning and whatever time you'll be listening to this. Thanks for joining us. Let us pray. God of Elizabeth and Mary, make our hearts leap with joy. Fill our mouths with song of, of praise. And make us ready to welcome the Christ in our midst, who is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God in glory everlasting. Amen.
0: So that, that picture that was painted there is very much like a, a Disney movie interpretation of love, where it's like your heart is leaping with joy, and there's in a song in your heart, and you know, everything is just full of people. You're always associated. Christmas and I mean we are on the eve of Christmas uh, um, to come. This is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Luckily, Christmas falls on a weekend this, <laughs> this this year. It's yeah. always it's always nice when that happens. Um, so, I've always associated Christmas time with the time of hope. The message is always hope, because even in the readings, um, like from Micah, uh, the Lord says Bethlehem. You are one of the smallest towns in Judah, but out of you, I will bring a ruler for Israel, whose family line goes back to ancient times. So there's that that hope. But now, where does love? I, I get the joy. I get the the faith aspect. um, where does love tie
3: into Christmas time? i I think in the word, I think in the word gift, in the word giving, God giving, um, um,
1: uh, the word giving, I think is perhaps the most profound word for me. In which, um, and the whole coming, the whole gift of of life through. The birthing process, the womb gives life to the newborn baby. The womb um, celebrates life in creation and in humanity because the womb has pre- preserved life, has grown life um, through the period uh, that is designated for um, pregnancy and brings to Brings into life the, the joy of a newborn baby, which I think generally people see as a gift from our Creator God. So I think it's born in the Word, the gift. Um, uh, you know, when I read as a as a, as a semi-theologian, the Lord says and the Lord does, then that's a that's His way, that's God's way of giving of releasing that that um, uh, eternal energy that's life-giving through word, through presence and in the person of of Jesus as in the persons of those that he collaborates with to bring about what humanity needs, what his people needed at the time, what people generally need. So, um, you know... uh, Yesterday, some of the members of our congregation went to, to West Bank, where they normally give out food. So it's the gift of food through donors and through the gift of making. But they also went the extra mile At, at in terms of the season. They were giving clothes. They were also gifting other personal hygienic items um, to people. So it's, the, it's in that word, a G-I-F-T gift or give, G-I-B-E. For me, that's how I understand the whole love is about giving and giving of self.
0: Hmm. And that's obviously best summed up in that that great line, that well-known line, um and probably it, it, it's the the foundation of 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 your belief in in the position of love coming from within the giving is that uh, for God so loved He's the world that He gave His only Son. Uh, but but I want to absolutely
3: <laughs> I absolutely want
0: to, I want to reflect on that and and as always I mean I'm going to come with the the idea that is born in my kind of agnosticism. Where it's like, if God is the all-knowing and all-powerful, like what was the actual gift? It, it's it's a it's it's the it's the bride to the groom idea, which is like what did Jesus actually die for? But like what mm-hmm. what was God giving if He had the power to influence everything?
1: Now, of course, it's fine to say
3: that, but the way God does it um, is working with, in collaboration with, uh, broken human beings, Mm. um,
1: fractured humanity. Uh, God um, speaks to a people who was exiled What has exiled people got to offer but themselves as the agents that collaborate with his cause? And even though he does that, coming to their level of trying to work his plan by their formation so that they, as they are being formed and transformed from that fragility and uh, into people of confidence um when when God was preparing um, the second leader for the people of 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 Israel after Moses, Joshua, he in the initial passage said to him, As I was with Moses, so will be with you. So that's a period of reflecting on how I was now that I'm with you, um I'm saying to you, um, be yourself' Be confident. Uh, do not be afraid. But I'm with you. God, God's presence, the gift of presence, um, and the gift of, of of formation through the power of his Spirit. So, um, so the so the plan often seems to fail because when you place it into the hand of fragile. Broken people whose memories are stuck in slavery. How do they do this thing? How do they do this covenant thing that God calls them into? So now none of it is perfect. I mean, even the whole concept of Jesus being born when one would have thought if he was going to be the king of God, how God understood it, how God planned it, comes and and all we know is is in a manger, mm. in a crib. In a state of poverty where he he has not even his own bed to sleep in, and where he's the bedfellows are the animals of the barn. Yeah. So it's in that kind of fragility. You know, going back to um, to assimilating it as you have done with the whole area of marriage. Um, it never fails me to think about the importance and the mystery of those words. When the couple give and receive rings, mm. Um, mm. with my body, I honor you. So that's tangible. Yeah. My body, I honor you. How How is this tangible?
3: Um, my body, I honor you. All that I am, I give to you.
1: And all that I have, I share with you. So that which is shared is tangible. The body part is changeable. But all that I am is mystery. Yeah. So my presence, my availability, my words, um, my faith, how I feel about you and towards you, those are all needing to be captured in words with metaphorical meaning. Yeah, It still has to develop into the object and often doesn't because it's it's the main essence of its mystery it's mm. forming on the inside but will show the growth on the outside so i think that's how how, how, it's, how i understand it that um that that it's it's in god's presence and in his availability and in his collaboration with you and me uh, he, God doesn't only work with and forms those who believe in him. Because there's no guarantee that those whom he took out of exile all believe. Yeah. So there's no guarantee that when they came to the to the Mount Sinai, for example, or where, where they came out from the troubles that they were in in terms of Micah, um, that they were suddenly all ready to be form, formed by God, informed by God, and transformed by God to be His people. Uh, no, 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 uh, the, 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 the lingering of the past is still very deep there.
2: Yeah,
1: so if you think that you may have this, um, um this reality of agnosticism, uh, how many of them may have been agnostic and yet? God was still working. God is still available. That that is why I'm grateful to the priest who came from India many years ago. And I was asked to chaperone him around. And we were talking about, you know, Bible and about various other things. And I remembered him saying to me a thing like this. When when I then, my response to him was that, well, of course, the favorite words in the Bible is God's love, the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. And he said to me, that text without also reading the 17 Yes. And yeah. that made me think very serious. So I never these days quote John 3, 16 without quoting John 3, 16 and 17.
2: God sent his son
1: into the world, not to condemn it, but
3: to Mm redeem.
1: Now, for me, that is what God God works and collaborates with us redemptively. And he's got to do that by virtue of his presence and availability and with the words that he speaks to us. to to help us and to understand that his presence is a presence of creativity, a presence of uh, that's redemptive, a presence that offers sustain the sustainability of life, a new vision of how to be.
0: Okay. It's interesting that you you kind of almost answered my next question, which was going to be, I carry, I, I draw from the hope of Christmas. I, I, I see, the message of Christmas being one of hope because it's the one that is most universal. So if you look into Christmas and Christmas's global impact on humans everywhere, um, there were some very interesting and inspiring discussions. Uh, on social media in South Africa over the last week of Muslims who put up Christmas trees so that their children can experience Christmas, and how this is frowned upon in, wow. in those kinds of communities as well. Um, and for me, the the hope is the one thing that you can tell everybody, but the love requires a personal relationship um, with God. So then, how do you how do you translate? A universal, or at least how do you draw from Christmas, the Christian Christmas, a universal idea of of love?
1: Very interesting, you know, you're talking like that. Um, Brought to mind a conversation that I had with Professor Russell Russell Botman just before he passed on. Mm.
2: Um,
1: Russell said to us in a conference when we when we quote those words um from Saint Paul with the poem of love, he said we normally said um, faith, hope, and love, mm. the greatest mm. of which is love. And Russell said, you know, we have spoken a lot about faith, we've spoken a lot about love, but what, why is it that we're lacking to speak of hope?
2: Mm.
1: now um, like like in this situation when i was when I was ministering this afternoon, afterwards, I heard the loss of this family. They had already given uh, me what they normally give priests at you know in our parish, when we do weddings and funerals. And I wanted to go and give the money back. Mm. Because I couldn't see me receiving from people who already had gone through a sense of of that loss. and um, Now, I don't know what they would have said if they received the money back from me because they had already made plans. But me trying to do that was to conjure up some, look, the the world is not totally hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. Now, why would I want to do this? The action of hope to give back and remunerate them for what they now gave to me in order to help them with their loss uh, could have been a sign of hope for them. Mm. But I would, I would dare to say it would have been from me a sign of love. So can you have
3: hope without love? Um, can, can Can faith,
1: hope and love stand all by itself? Would hope? why is hope not the greatest because you can't hope or offer hope if there is not the passion of love within you because when you look with compassion on people you look in order to bring hope you look with love on that situation and those involved in it that will motivate you to say now how do i help help them transcend from this hopelessness Mm-hmm. I sit sometimes with those situations when couples come to me for marriage, when couples come to have their babies baptized, and there's certain things in the debate, in the conversations that I hear how how deeply hopeless they feel about A, B, and C, particularly, in the, and I want to stress this, particularly because of past experiences with the church. Mm-hmm. They look at me and they think, oh, they're going to get the same and and I'm asking myself the question, well, I'm not I'm not gonna go into what happened in the past, but in this context here, do I walk, do I let them walk away feeling added burden of hopelessness? Mm. As if I'm because if you're giving them an added bit of hopelessness, you are then engendering um that sense that with the church, you're only gonna be judged. Yeah. yeah, and 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 I ask myself the question as I ask myself the questions on many occasions after a service, be it a wedding or a funeral, did I really lead the people closer to God? Did I really bring God, as it were, closer to the people? Hmm. Um, and you cannot do that without a sense of love for God and love for the people. And I think it's out of that action of deep love, of, of, of love present, that hope and faith abounds. That's why love is the greatest. Now, how did all of this happen? I, I was very interested in um, the interpretation of of the prophets by um, Eugene Peterson. And he often says, we were never taught this in theological reading and study and research. He said the prophets spoke metaphorically, mm. and and we, I have to deal with that metaphor. That scripture is about metaphor, mm. um, and 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 he, and he and for me that is you you talking about the mystery of something with the hope that it's going to be fulfilled. You are looking to the past as I've been with Moses, so I will be with you. So how would God be with Moses and me? So Joshua was going to be open to the same experience that that Moses had of God, Mm -hmm. that would also empower him in his own life, and in the ministry, he was called to do. At the end of 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 Josh's uh, writings, he comes up with this amazing statement. Everybody uses. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. Throughout of that journey, so so I think that um, what way where, where do we find this the mystery of this love?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I happen to reflect. Very deeply on Christmas one year, and when I was standing and recognizing the manger and where we place the manger, um, I it dawned on me, it came to me
3: that God placed Himself in
1: this very vulnerable state in the world, where we later on learn that his life was
3: up for a threat to be ended. And yet, those who came to pay him
1: homage and bowed or knelt at his crib Mm -hmm. looked into the face of God, represented in the most vulnerable form
3: of human experience. And human existence. How could one not love and see love both in the
1: the developing form of humanity? Because a baby is only just being developed, mm. and
3: at its at its at its conceptual state, we see the act of love. Mm. in the baby we look into the face of god and we look into the face of love um looking back at us
1: we we know from science that babies don't see faces yeah. they don't mm-hmm. really see colors <laughs> they just see objects and they're relating to what they can't they they making out in their little world whatever that is yeah but we are in awe of the of the miracle. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think I think um, a, a while back, I think it was when we were first starting, where I was flexing my <laughs> intellectual muscles, uh, where I was saying that babies, um, the the way we think about human development is actually quite strange, because it's the same way if you if you talk to a dog and you kind of internalize this idea that. The dog understands what you're saying, but the dog doesn't understand what you're saying. The dog only understands instruction that is born out of like consistent repetition um and setting like proper expectations on that. That's the only thing the dog can understand is is your your consistency. And babies attach meaning to things. They don't they, um, what meaning we try to convey, Is meaningless. It's the baby is going to interpret the world from a different perspective. Um, and and it's very fascinating that you went down that route because here in in Hebrews, you have just a bit of casual um blasphemy, (laughs) okay. Where, Where Paul is now obviously trying to convince an audience of this new way of worship where. Sacrifices on animal sacrifices are not needed anymore. He's just trying to drive that point home. And he just quietly, casually quotes a before incarnation kind of Jesus, a a passage that uh, exchange that happens before Jesus comes to the world. So it's like for this reason, when Christ was about to come into the world, he said to God, and this is the blasphemy part, uh, you do not. One, sacrifices and offerings, but you have prepared a body for me. You are not pleased with animals burned whole on the altar or with sacrifices to take away sins. Then he said, here I am to do your will, O God, just as it is written of me in the book of the law. So for the, I don't know, maybe if you believe that all of this happened, that Jesus maybe had a chat with the apostles one day and spoke of these memories of before he became human. So now you look at the baby in the manger and you have to think to yourself, you have to make a decision, and I would love to know what the decision is that you have made for yourself, Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. Do we accept that the baby Jesus, the infant Jesus, was... Making sense of the world as he grew into the man that would be Jesus Christ, or do we believe? Do you believe that he already had this pre-existing knowledge?
1: I think the mystery of 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 his of his divinity and his humanity continues to remain a, a mystery. Going to be a mystery. The 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 fascination. <laughs> I Because there's nothing else I can hide behind. I'm not here to prove my faith. I'm here to explore my faith. <laughs> that's true. Yes, yes. Isn't it? Enough. enough. I'm here to explore with you our faith. And, and, and that's why we are discussing these things. And so... Um, perhaps let me just maybe correct you and say that it wasn't Paul who wrote the Hebrews a letter. Ah, yes. uh, the jury still out about this um, as to who the actual writer was. Ah. but i would I would like to assume that at the at the at the end of it, when it was finally edited, it was the community of the church that uh, held it up as a as a relevant message to help us understand who Jesus really is. And of course, Hebrews here brings in how the Messiah, the messianic thought of the Old Testament.
2: Mm.
1: Um, and so, and so um, there is a sense in which there are lots of missing pieces in the New Testament writing about Jesus' life. We have a little bit of him when he was 12 in the temple. And boom, you know, the writers were writing, focused on his three-year earthly ministry to the cross. His ministry from Galilee to the cross. So how did they interpret him um, in the light of the Old Testament? Because that was the Bible that they knew. Mm. Did they see in him in what he said? In his responses, in the way he, he um, I, I liked one of the things that we'll come to it now, but it Pope Francis is very interesting how he takes the, when, it's, when it says, and Mary set out and went with haste, right? Mm. He sees that as a missionary movement, a, a move to mission, set out and go in haste, this message that I'm carrying must go there. So so Jesus, um, as they reflected upon him, as they looked upon him, as they saw him response in the mission of God to the world, be it in the parables he taught, be it in the healings that he made, they looked back at this book that was prophesying about the one to come. And therefore they saw in him um, a sense of, of the the anointed one who will come from among them and will save them. But, of course, their understanding of the salvation was very nationalistic. Mm. So did he know... still is. Yeah, yeah. Did he know the mind of God? How do we interpret that? Did, did he know the mind of God before he came? How do we interpret his humanity when the first thing about his humanity is that he's worshipped? He's, he's born in unusual circumstances where his mother and his father is not married, but but um, betrothed. Then he is is chased to for safety's sake as a refugee in another country. Yeah. Very unusual. Yeah. Human, very unusual for a godlike figure, but not unusual to human experience. So how does God enter into the world? He enters through the human experience. To capture it from its very essence. And when necessary in mission and ministry, to bring in the the, the, the divine um, work, which is the work of redemption. So what Jesus was also trying to help people understand is that whilst on earth
3: he served the God of Heaven or the Heavens, mm. whom he mm. understood as Father. So then, um, I take,
1: I take, um, I take hope from the words. Uttered at his baptism and at the transfiguration to try and understand how was he interfacing with the father to understand what the mission was, what the earthly mission was. When the cup got bitter, he said, Must I take this? Is this really the way we must go? Is there no other way we could? Redeem this this world and there was silence from heaven as is as if heaven has spoken already um and that was a deep reflective moment in the garden of gethsemane was it in that moments of prayer when they were looking for him and he was in a lonely place with the father what was that intimate relationship doing what, what did he mean when he spoke to the lady at the well and said, you worship Jake, what Jacob had told you, but those who worship God worships him in spirit and in truth. What was the quality of his teachings like that people would stand in awe that it wasn't even what? It was even more than what the prophets could bring to their attention, even though they rejected it at the end of the day. There was a sense in which people responded and others rejected it. Um, but they stood in awe of what he had said. So did he know or did he not know? See, is there a balance between the two? Is there a way in which we can understand such a deep mystery? Um, how do I know? How do you know? When we are reflecting, I'm using that word to embrace those who say they don't have faith. Because yeah. people who claim they're not believing in God is people who would also have a moment of thinking, of processing what they think. Yeah. Those of us that believe our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth would say, you know God, just give me an understanding of what needs to happen. And sometimes there's no clarity. But in ourselves, we have a sense
3: this must be the way forward. So, so,
1: how do you unravel such a mystery even in yourself? When you respond as a journalist to the world, when you think about what is produced, And what you have to respond to on a particular theme. What do you need to go through to process. To pre-know. Or not even to pre-know. In order to prepare your responses. To that kind of thing. Is there a sense in which we have to take a journey. Beyond our thinking. And then find the way back. Into human life, as it were, to produce the response we have to give.
2: Mm. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm
1: I'm interested to know how those people on the pulpit on Sunday mornings can say. I'm I mean, and this was said to me one day when we were investigating an issue of pulpit abuse. Yeah, can you yeah. imagine that being? In, I I was part of a team that investigated pulpit abuse. You have to where, the, time where, where the priest said in no uncertain terms whatever I speak to them about it is what God tells me now for us that was a red flag mm. because mm. we all struggle to know exactly what it is God wants
3: to say to people we all are exploring searching um, then being moved by something and and once
1: our spirit mind hooks into that we then explore whatever we have to explore through that channel for that occasion you know when you're reading and reflecting something sticks something speaks to you why why is is it that i chose a theme like and why has this happened to me, that my Lord's um, mother would come into, into my mitzvah? Why, why, did, why was that so striking for me when I was looking through the collect, looking through the texts? Why is that particular thing, you know, part of the influence is that Fourth Sunday of Advent is normally the candle of love. So that's the starting point, which we all look for. What is the starting point to our responses? Um, and so um, that's the mystery of the, 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 the human and divine within Christ that we all are challenged by in terms of understanding and in terms of interpreting. I think the best. That we could say with the early church fathers, therefore he is both human and divine. <laughs> it comes down to such simplistic uh, understanding, and yet it still leaves us with a brevity of 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 um, of not
0: unknowing, not really knowing.
2: yeah, I think
0: um, um, I obviously arrive at my opinions. And conclusions. Ever, it's never really a conclusion though, because it's always, it's never finished. I'm always open to to develop my thinking alongside the facts, and it's always like, I'm always going to just apply reasonable logic to the facts at hand. Um, the only judgment calls that I ever make is one where a reasonable person that I assume I am, um, can say if there is loss or injustice uh, somewhere. And then that just affirms my passion, maybe, uh, behind the seeking of the justice, then, in the light of the injustice. Uh, So then, talking about facts, so here we have Luke chapter 1, verses 39 to 45, where... As you said before, begins with, in those days, Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in a womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, echoing Gabriel's message to, this is just my little edits, um, <laughs> echoing Gabriel's message to Mary, where it's like most highly favored lady. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And from that day on, the biggest change that this makes is to my boy John the Baptist, because now Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit, and she's like, this is the catalyst moment where she sends her unborn son on his mission. And I believe he is the, <laughs> the proto-Jesus in this Um went out alone without all of the prophecy behind him, just a crazy dude in the wilderness. What is this idea that is being... Because this is obviously being couched as we must be in kind of in awe of the moment what has happened within Elizabeth. But the future ramifications of this are, are like crazy. This influences a person's life this is literally you having a transformative moment and passing that on to your child
1: Mm. maybe i could say that all expressions of love and joy is born in the womb Everything that, you know, that takes us down to the very core of our being, making the, the heart and the soul, the mind, the womb of the personality and of the expressions that we give to what we see and what we hear um, and what we encounter in mm. our lives. Mm. Now. The, the 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 Mary greets sorry Elizabeth uh, years Mary greeting her, uh, you know it's it's very much again yeah one is um, when I when I do some of my research is always to a Roman Catholic website they look at the text and they look at uh, things like the spirituality of the text. And then they look at how in history that text was was utilized yeah. uh, to help the church, its historicity. And then it will look at what it is, message, what are the questions that come out of it? So, so that's why I said, I. that's when I read how uh, Pope Francis had said, Mary goes out in haste. Why is that word haste part of the story? And she comes from... Um, She comes into this hill country. What, why was she passing everywhere else? And why does she enter into this particular home of Zechariah and of Elizabeth? And why were we meant to read of this encounter for ourselves? Mm. So as I said to you, for me, the, 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 The thought of, the expression, the response of faith is born in the heart, the soul, and the mind. So that's like the womb of our expression. And then we work on that expression. Um, And it's interesting, you know, it's so normal. She, She hears Mary's
3: voice with words of greeting. Now,
1: I suppose if somebody's bonded with you, and maybe at that stage you didn't even hear her, know she was coming, or because Mary came out in haste, whether she prepared us Elizabeth for this visit or yeah. not, it was done in haste. So it's almost as if Mary had and hasting to leave her home to go to Elizabeth home was was something that um she felt driven to do something that she sensed in herself is a must factor in her being the 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 bearer of of Christ within her and um and that the one and by the way john is introduced by prophecy uh the prophecy of isaiah 40 yeah. the way of the law. um so so how then how then? Other, other than the experiences of how John encounters Jesus at the baptism, according to Matthew, and then later on in prison, John seemed not to be sure. Matthew 11, I think it is. He's not sure who Jesus is and asks his disciples to go yes. and find that out. And of course, there's no further encountering story about how Jesus and John collaborated in this mission to the world. Uh, John, the forerunner, we're not told of how they were raised, what they did together in their childhood, in their youth, because focus was more on what God called them to do as a specific time in their life, earthly lives. But this moment captured in Luke, the doctor, who probably would know what a little bit about what pregnant women all up to and what goes Mm -hmm. on with the the, the birth of the child in the womb. Um, and is in tune with this kind of an experience, um, um, helps us to see that the, the seed of joy and love and faith is already planted. All we need is that is that um, inspiration.
2: Mm.
1: When you hear
3: what you see, what you encounter,
1: a response is given. That the one call to prepare has a sense of the Savior's presence in the world. Hmm. And his expression was, now my task is at hand. The baby leaped for joy. Who would not leap for joy if you were the one who is the MC at the party? <laughs> and you have to introduce the bride and the groom.
3: And you the MC because you are the chosen spokesperson that sets the
1: tone for that evening.
0: So so here's an interesting thought. Uh, it's pro- obviously not an interesting thought to you. It's more just for me and the listeners. Um, where it's like, <laughs> in this moment, right, uh, if you go down to, to verse 45, where it's like, and blessed is she who believed, that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. So this is Elizabeth still speaking to Mary. Elizabeth, in this moment, becomes the first Christian. And she evangelizes her son in future. So Elizabeth is the original Christian evangelical or priest.
1: (laughs) Actually, very interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't about her joy she was speaking in the first place. It yeah. was the joy of the baby. She interpreted his movement. Yeah. yeah. Gave expression to it in a joyful way. So obviously she was moved by it. Yeah. yeah. And then we are told, then filled with the spirit. So now the movement is human and divine. Uh in combination Uh with each other and she then as you say who believed now that expression of she believed but did mary not say to our lord in the beautiful latin word serviam i will serve i believe enough to serve Mm -hmm. Um, and the song the song of mary My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord is is this is the song of a believer. Mm. And so if we're talking about who is the first Christian, then would not it have been Elizabeth? Yes, (laughs) yes. I'll I'll, I'll say this because so. So Mary
0: gets told all this stuff. Right. So this all of this is happening to Mary's in this moment, confused, a little bit scared, probably wants to cry rolls out to a cousin so she's still her belief is still rooted in like hebrew culture in yes, the prophecies sure. all of that where elizabeth belief is in the baby that would become jesus so therefore it's the chicken and the egg situation But therefore, in my mind, to my logic, reviewing the facts at play here of facts in equities. So she believes in Jesus, whereas Mary believed in God. So then Elizabeth, by that kind of explanation, (laughs) is a Christian.
1: (laughs) Oh, I just love the way you put things.
0: (laughs) That's just the way my crazy head works. But thank you very much. I use it
1: yeah i mean i think it latches on very much to something that i didn't interpret but pope francis when he says mary goes out with haste yeah he looks at that and says in that there's a mission focused movement god is about encountering people and enabling them to encounter be encountered. i was thinking about this the whole thing when we were talking about what was happening in our world, fracking, mm. the fight about this, all the money, the things we are encountering in the world often leaves us sighing with hopelessness. Mm. Our encounter with this life is almost a sense of, are we ever going to get it right? Who's really in charge? Why, when only so so much percent vote for politicians, Politicians think that they have the rule of the nest when only so, so many people, given what you said to me, well, maybe it's because the others are satisfied yeah. or their yeah. lives are not going to really be changed by whatever is in in, part, in, in partnership. And, and these are areas we need to explore to ask ourselves what, 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 Mar, what, May, what Elizabeth came to, who believed there would be a fulfilment of what was spoken to her by the Lord? And was it just meant to be fulfilling in her life or what what God had spoken to would be a fulfillment through her for all of humanity? If you proclaim that in response to, to Mary's missionary visit
3: to her cousin,
1: and all she did was to greet, Just hearing that voice of Mary sparked of this whole wonderful expression and experience of the spirit that Elizabeth had, her own sense of what the movement of the baby was, and then praising God for for Mary and the fruit of her womb and how God would fulfill what God promised to her. And that conjured up belief in him. So, so, so in a way, I, I have no problem in you saying she was the first one that responded to what God was doing through Jesus in the world, Mm. which then calls out us as believers
3: or us who don't believe. He came, he spoke. They were those who believed in the fulfillment
1: of what he spoke. What's leaping inside of you right now? What responses do you have a sense in the womb of your response, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your being? That when you hear,
3: you feel something move inside of you. And she says, and blessed is is she who believed. Mm -hmm. Who believed? That was an Elizabeth.
1: Elizabeth is saying how Mary believed that what God has spoken to will be fulfilled. She was celebrating Mary's faith.
0: And I, I like my
1: interpretation better. Uh, uh, read the text. <laughs> read the text. I'm reading the text. My Wesley, interpretation. She is. who believed that they would. It was actually. She was caught up in the, the whole story of, a, of the encounters that Mary had had with the Lord. And saw Mary's faith. And yes, she came to faith in all of that. So, yeah, we could combine the two stories together. I think there's something very positive in this encounter, simplistic encounter, and yet there are words in here that are so profound. A simple word like going out and hasting, of greeting, just hearing. Now, what's the responses within us? And why then do we have responses, or we have reactions, or we have Initial ideas that end up in injustice rather than in fulfillment—that which
2: blesses
3: everybody. When in the actions of the world, certain people walk away with a blessing in inverted commas. Hmm. I
0: don't know. I I am just happy that. Um, I managed to hold on to <laughs> through this whole conversation and leave on a positive note uh before Christmas. And you have made a very good case for the universal idea of love in Christmas, in the Christmas message. Um, that it is that is greater than hope. Um and that that that's all I can I, I think on that note we will we will convene again for a special Christmas episode. Uh, but thank you very much for this conversation. Thank you, everyone who has listened. Um, I hope I leave you in a positive light and fold. This conversation folds you with a little bit of Christmas joy because, unfortunately, I feel that this year um, the Christmas joy is a little bit absent from the world. I think we're all weary of everything that has happened before. Um, even my wife, who loves Christmas, is the very embodiment of Mother Christmas herself, has been a bit despondent. and. Yeah, we need we need that joy, we need that that hope and we we need that that love, that love for for one another, that love for this period of time I have my festive pants on. Um I'm still working all the way up to <laughs> to Christmas Eve, but that's neither here nor there. That's my own personal choices, but yeah. Thank you very much for that. And if you could please extract just a couple of brief extra points of
1: reflection in the praise of the church. Just to say that the praise of the church this week I have combined with the Magnificat, which is the Song of Mary. And I'm going to read the Magnificat from the translation that Eugene Peterson places, which is different to the one I have there, because he says some of the things in a very unique way. So I'm going to read the first part of it, and after that, Think about what the church needs at this time as we pray for him. Pray for it. We're also praying for continents. And this is the first part of Mary's song. Mary said, I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I am the most fortunate woman on earth what god has done for me will never be forgotten and god whose very name is holy set apart from all others now that leads us into the second part of our prayers second part of our prayers we pray for new parents and expected parents expecting parents we pray for couples desiring to conceive For all children who are
3: at risk. The second part is.
1: God's name is holy. Set apart from all others. His mercy flows. In wave after wave. On those who are in awe before him. He bared his arm and showed his strength. Scattering the bluffing braggarts. So we then think of the next section in which we pray for those who are living in Bethlehem, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, whom we know are constantly at war with each other, for all refugees across the world, and for anyone experiencing fear, anxiety, or depression. He knocked tyrants off their high horses. Pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. And callous rich were left out in the cold. And then in the last section, we pray for all who are away from home during the Christmas season. For all whose lives seem unimportant for all who are injured, we think of the recent tornadoes, and for those who are sick, and for those who have died. He embraced his children, chosen child Israel. He remembered and piled on the mercies, piled them high. It's exactly what he promised, beginning with Abram and right up to now. And so we remember before God, Charles Ismail and Louis Henry, who passed on. God may grant them eternal rest. So as we conclude with the prayers before the concluding blessing, God of promise, you have given us a sign of your love through the gift of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who was promised from ages past. We believe as Joseph did. The message of your presence whispered by an angel and offer our prayers for your world confident of your care and mercy for all creation amen so my sisters and brothers as we journey towards christmas go now with your hope in god's mercy for all god has promised you will be fulfilled Trust God's strength for your safety. Walk in the ways of peace and be ready to greet the coming Lord and the blessing of God, our creator, redeemer, and life giving comforter be with you always. Amen. Go in peace with courage to love and serve the Lord. Go in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks, Lindsay a splendid job always, love to your family.